No, I don't overwork and hustle culture is violence to the soul. Hola a todos, hello everybody, welcome to the Philosophy in Real Life podcast uh, where we strive to live in the most truthful way possible while unmasking grown interpretations of the world. I am your host, Carlos Santos Aguirre, a philosophy PhD candidate from Spain. So the idea today is that I will share with you some principles that I live by uh, with regard to work, productivity and things like that. So I have five principles that I live by regarding work and this is how I structure my weekly routine. So first principle that I live by is that I work daily taking into account my body energy. Let me give you an example. Usually what I have every single week is one morning usually dedicated to some teaching, deep studying about theology or some teaching that I'm preparing for the church. And then the rest of the day is usually PhD writing or deep summaries. And later in the day is usually editing or secondary readings depending on the day for the PhD. So why do I structure this in that way? Well, because of the energy levels, right? So in the morning I'm more fresh. So I do my hardest work in the morning and then I do in the in the afternoon or after lunch i try to do something more um, that requires less energy because i know that i will be more tired or more sluggish and things like that now depending on the energy i have different protocols okay so for example i i have divided low energy high energy so if i have a low energy day and i have to to still push myself what i try to do is to have a minimum. So instead of maybe doing three hours of deep work, three hours and a half, I might do one hour and a half or two or something like that, or with more breaks. I usually, I'm a fan of stimulants, so I cycle them. <laughs> I use coffee as a strategy. And so what I do, the low energy days is that in the morning, I have a cup of coffee, and then for the rest of the day after lunch, uh, which in Spain we have lunch at 2 p.m., after lunch, usually by 2.30, p.m. to 6, those three hours, I usually have another cup of coffee. So that's kind of what I do. Now, the high energy days, the days I sleep well, then I will just have one cup of coffee in the morning. And then for the after lunch, if I feel I need it, I might close my eyes a little bit. Not really. And I try to avoid caffeine. I, I only try to have one cup of coffee if I'm feeling good. So I work, I try to work in tune with my body energy. This is not always possible. Sometimes you just have to push. It sucks working hard. It feels hard and hard many times feels like horrible. And so that happens. And you know, what can you do? <laughs> That's life. But that is typically, this helps me at least to structure my week because nobody is forcing me to do it. I have to, so to speak, self-motivate myself to edit a record, a speak, prepare, write a dissertation and things like that. So that's why I, I try to work according or in tune with my body energy. So the second routine or habit that I have to manage my time is that I use something called time blocking with a set hour per week. So fixed schedule productivity is deciding how many hours per week you want to work. And then time blocking is, in my opinion, complementary to this idea of fixed schedule productivity. Because once you have the 50 hours, then you have to say, OK, I have this project. I have the dissertation. I have the podcast. I have, you know, 
uh, I'm just talking about work-related stuff. And so what you do is that you time block. So what I do usually is that I devote three, three to four hours of deep work in things related to the PhD per day. And then I devote three hours, around three, four hours, depending on the day, uh, to podcast-related things that I need to do. That's what I typically do. So it's almost two segments of deep work. And deep work means no distractions, no phone calls, no notifications, no social media, nothing. Silence. I realized that if I go beyond 50 hours a week, I stop being a human. I start feeling angry or empty or numb or not in touch with my emotion. I become less loving, more irritable. So... I don't do that. I don't go beyond 50 hours, even though I'm my capacity of outputting and pushing myself to limits that are unhealthy. I've done it many times, so I know I'm able to do so. But it's not sustainable for a life that goes beyond work, so to speak. It's not, it's not conducive for a fuller life. So what you do is that you work backwards. So in my case, I work six days a week, Monday through Friday and Sunday too. And Saturdays is my day off. So if I have some things or some invitations or some projects or something that I would like to do, but there is no more room in my 50 hours of a schedule, I, I have to say no. If it doesn't fit, I just say no. And if I say yes, I need to see what I'm going to stop or what I'm going to change to be able to actually make it fit within those 50 hours. I do not increase the time. I just keep it to 50. That's that. So if something doesn't fit and if something is not worth me changing something in my schedule, then that's that. I don't do it. Then I say no. Now, another thing that I take into account when I use this method of fixed schedule productivity and time blocking is that you need to account that for the fact that things will take longer than you plan. And what I use is a 30 to 40% error cushion for miscalculation. So for example, if I think that this will take me an hour to complete, then I increase 30% of 60 minutes. This is something similar of what I use to not be late. When I have appointments or meetings, I use a 20% cushion. So if it takes me an hour to get to the place, I leave an hour and 20 minutes earlier. That's what I do. And if it's a job interview, I use double. So I'm usually an hour earlier to the interview. Uh, so I go hardcore even, like just to make sure that even if the train crashes, I'm able to make it to the interview. <laughs> That's basically what I do. Because we tend to underestimate time. And my wife tells me that with my ADHD, I'm the worst at calculating time. My notion of time is broken. I don't have the capacity to actually do that. So I usually run it by her. Hey, babe, what do you think? how much this will take me, like, you know, tell me. And so I think, okay, it will take me X amount of hours per week, or this project will take me a month to complete it, devoting my mornings for that. So what do you think? And she said, no, this is crazy. You, This will take you double or triple and things like that. Even once I arrive to the time that I think that this will take me, I add a 30% over that time just to, and then I increase it. And so, and so that gives me peace. Uh, that gives me peace. So yeah, so that's that's what time blocking means. You just have a, a set amount of hours devoted to a specific project and you know exactly what you're going to do. So that's the idea. What happens is that you have an expectation about an outcome or something and then reality hits you. And so the gap between 
what you are experiencing and the expectation you had about something is what's causing you frustration. But if, again, if you are very intentional with your time and the projects you say yes to, that changes the entire game because then you are not reacting. You are proactive in saying yes and knowing how much these things will take you. For example, in my case, I'm not going to say yes to a big project until I finish my dissertation. It would be silly. Like, no, I shouldn't do that because it will require so much time. Now, I know you have heard like people say, oh, I study with me eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. That is silly. I don't know anyone. And I know people who are really, really uh, machines. Okay. But I don't know anyone who is able to output four hours or, be, or more than four hours of deep work the way I'm defining it here. And the next day to be able to output the same and so on and so on for months, for years. I don't know anyone in person that is able to do that. It's funny because Ali Abdal, uh, he's a productivity YouTuber and things like that. He said that one day he said, okay, I schedule my entire day to just write, uh, to just write my book because he is going to launch his book soon. When I listened to that video or I was watching that video on YouTube, I was like, there's no way you wrote for an entire day. I, uh, I write as a profession, as of my career, I'm a writer. And I'm telling you, you are not able to write for longer than four hours, fully concentrated and do great work. And so then he was saying that something he used to actually track the time that he spent actually writing. He was using the soundtrack of Lord of the Ring or something like that. So every time he stood up from his seat, to take a break or go to the toilet or eat something he would pause the the soundtrack and and so in the end when he when the day ended he realized that he only has written for two hours and a half and so i was like okay that is that is what i thought it would happen and so when people say oh i study eight hours in the library it's like no you didn't you were flirting with your classmate you were you were drinking and half of the time you were smoking outside so no you didn't you might be able to push yourself one day five to six hours but i'm telling you the next day life looks uh darker <laughs> i remember i was pushing myself to do four more than four hours of deep work and then i uh, of writing and researching and after the four hours, my, there was a knot in my throat. After that, you just talk to people and you're like, who are you, man? Don't talk to me. Go away. <laughs> so don't do that. Don't do that. Because again, what we're looking here for is sustainability. Something that you are able to keep four months, four years, and still have enough room for love, for life, to be a human being, not a machine. Actually, Jordan Pearson once said he was able to write uh, for three hours, I believe, without, and if he went beyond that, he would impair his capacity to output the same thing for the next day. So yeah, I mean, I could work 14 hours if after the fourth hour of working in something deep, I'm just talking on podcasts or seeing people or doing low concentration tasks. Yeah, absolutely. I would be able to do so. That's, that's not an issue. But again, I'm talking about knowledge work for the most part. Most of People do not even have to worry about this because the schedule is imposed. Uh, but even you can tell that in most offices, people are not working eight hours. Or they are usually working half concentrated, talking and things like that because the tasks do not require that level of concentration. The principle number three I live by is the following. The simpler the routine, the better. <laughs> 
the YouTube world is completely obsessed with morning routines, right? So they want you to take a cold bath, go running, do affirmations in front of the mirrors, journal, eat a healthy breakfast or to not eat a healthy breakfast, walk an hour in the park, say thank you to everybody and then start working. And no, that is too much in between the moment you wake up and the moment you start working. I don't think that is useful because the simpler the routine, the better, the better, the easier is to execute. If something works for somebody else, don't think that you have to do it that way. Or if you're lazy, no, just do what's important to you, do what works for you and try to put as fewer obstacles as possible between the moment you get up to the moment you start working in something meaningful. The simpler it is and it achieves the objective you are looking for, the better. A lot of people confuses the procedure or the method with the objective. They think that they attach then the objective to the procedure and they think, oh no, if you don't use that procedure or that method, you are not going to achieve the objective. That is not true. There are many procedures or methods that you can use to achieve the same uh, objective. And yeah, and something that you realize with the, the third principle of the simpler the routine, the better is that sometimes it's not so much about improving your time management system. Sometimes it's that it's just simply that you have too much stuff. You have too many things, too many commitments, and you are trying to find the system to fix how over busy or over scheduled you are. And so the idea or the solution to this is to eliminate, apologize, and simplify, basically. Okay, and so let's move to the principle number four that I live by, which is to ruthlessly eliminate distractions. Practically, what I do, because I'm I am easily distracted. Um, I do not have any notification activated on my phone. All of the notifications is disabled. Even if I, uh, I have it normal mode, I can only receive calls, no notifications. And I actually have two phones. A lot of people like, like upgrading their phones. Well, I downgraded my phone, so to speak. So let me explain. I have my iPhone 13 that I was forced to get due to some loans with bank. Well, that's a long story. So I have my iPhone 13, which is what I use to record this video. Uh, and then I have an, a second hand, a mini iPhone 12 refurbished that I bought. So this is the phone, the mini that I carry most of the time during the day. This only has uh, well, the ability to call my podcast, uh, audiobooks, uh, in, in my calendar and things like that. So no email, no WhatsApp, no social media, no YouTube, nothing. So this is the phone. This is what I call the monk mode phone. Modo monje, monk mode. So phone, tremendo. So this is what I use most of the day because uh, I have to obviously use GPS so otherwise I get lost quickly. Um, and then the other phone, I only use it when I have to post or record or uh, during the day, see, post something. Because there are some things that I cannot post through desktop. So I have to use something the other phone. The other phone has bigger memory, is faster and things like that. That's why I'm saying I downgraded because the phone I use most of the time does, has less memory and things like that. It, go, it works perfectly for what I use. And the other phone, I usually turn it off and have it in a drawer. And I only turn it on when I have to use it for the brand, for work, or for something really specific. And after I'm done with that, I turn it off and put it away. 
And so that's what I try to do. So I create a separation and you don't know how much it has helped me because, you know, I've used many apps to block apps, many things to dissuade myself or to keep myself from checking social media. But when you have everything in one phone, in the end, you will look at it. And don't get me wrong, before doing the whole podcast and the brand, I would I would tell people don't have social media. I mean, only have social media if you have to get it for work or to promote your brand. But for most people who have issues with that, I usually tell them, if you do not need it, just get rid of it. It's fine. Get rid of it. If you think that you don't have an addiction, my challenge for you is to turn off your phone for 24 hours one day that you don't have to watch it or see it and see how you feel. Most of us will feel like crazy the next morning just with FOMO, you know, fear of missing out, see what happened, who wrote to us and things like that. But, you know, the more, the longer you do it, the better you feel. So for example, I'm able to go, I don't know, probably until 6 p.m. or 3 p.m. after waking up without checking anything and I feel completely okay. Now, this is something you have to be mindful and keep doing it because it is easy to go back. 21 days, 30 days, 40 days, doesn't matter. It's not enough. You have to, as... Atomic habits in the book, you have to create systems that allow you to not use too much willpower. So remove the cues that make you go and click or tap on or scroll. So remove it. So yeah, so that's basically it. Ruthlessly eliminate distractions. The last principle that I live by, number five, is this one. Work to live, don't live to work. Work is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself there is more life beyond work i am really trying in my life to not take pride in being busy you know it is very it's socially acceptable and it is almost like a badge or a sign of status to claim or to boast about how busy we are uh, that is something that i used to do a lot and what i want to do is to be a person that is not in a hurry something i do to mitigate this craziness this this idea of always having the machine going on in my mind is to turn off things i i turn off my phone uh and we practice sabbath that is something that my wife and i have been practicing as a family we are learning how to do it because rest for most people is actually escapism they escape they numb their feelings through alcohol sex um pleasure overindulgence of the senses and things like that so they are not resting their souls are just craving for something more and obviously as you already know i do believe we have spiritual selves and there is a place in our hearts for god and yeah and so that's pretty much with this right so it's it's good to optimize to some extent for work or to work better and actually this episode basically is a little bit how i structure my routine to manage to do everything i do but in the end as i said before work is a means to an end it's not an end in itself and so that's why i do not optimize my entire life to work more but rather to love more i want to optimize my life my being, the way I experience reality, the way I am, not just the things I do to increase the amount of love I have for people and for God in my case. So that's what I'm, I am optimizing for, for love. 
And so that is everything I have for you. Uh, so now you are super ready for the school semester. You know, some ideas about how to structure your life, your study time, your research time, whatever you do. Hopefully any of the things that I've shared, I hope at least something it is uh, of some utility for your life. And yeah, so just remember podcast available on video, on YouTube and audio on most platforms, uh, social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. So that's everything from my end, everybody. Adios. Until next time. Bye.